Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Stephen Holder going to join us here in a few. Again, 6 o'clock tonight. JMV is going to be out there. You will have the first of two joint practices with the Bears. And if you're looking for something to do, whether you are going to the game Saturday night with the Bears, the only home preseason game, or just looking for... Get downtown on a Saturday evening, uh, seven or four to seven. Excuse me, four to seven on Georgia Street. Uh, you've got the Georgia Street tailgate. Music kicks off with a live DJ at the Jack Daniels tailgate stage when gates open. Free entry. All ages are welcome. So is the Jack is, Daniels stage stage number seven? Uh, that was good. I mean, I'm strictly curious. By the way, I, I just this just dawned on me. How long have we been doing this show, Mark? Uh, we'll be would have been two years in November. Okay, so so it, I just now had this epiphany. This just now dawned on me, and, and I'm I'm ready. Do both of you have like paper towels nearby because your mind's about to be blown? Um, Eight thirty on a Wednesday is exactly the halfway point of our work week. Mm-hmm. We just reached the halfway point of our work. We're now it's eight thirty one. We're now on the second half of the work week here. First, you for want me to get beers out of the fridge? What do you want me to do? <laughs> Stephen Holder from ESPN.com with us here on the Payless Liquors. It, it means it means when it comes to this sort of chemistry, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Although you're going to have that obviously to continue, but. More, more Again, Stephen Holder, right? ESPN.com, is with us here. Stephen, I actually wanted... Wait, 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 wait. I need a minute. I need a minute. My mind is so blown. I need right. a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, calm. Do you sit down on the couch? Do you have paper towels? I, I didn't follow the whole paper towels Stephen, do, do you, around there. Do you ever actually think to yourself, and I'm sure this has happened, when you're driving around, around town, do you ever think to yourself, you know, every once in a while I've got to thank myself that I have access to that sort of brain and that sort of thought process? Do you ever think that? Well, it, it's definitely a unique opportunity. That, that is def- I am definitely fortunate, yes. yeah. I've sat next to Stephen now for 13 days at Grand Park. He's never uttered that to me at all in referencing you. Some things don't even need to be uttered. They're so obvious. <laughs> Stephen, appreciate, appreciate the time on this Wednesday morning. I actually wanted to begin with playing a little bit of Chris Ballard audio for you that you can react to because I feel like Ballard's tone has changed a bit in referencing Jonathan Taylor. And the first clip that we'll play is from Report Day when he was asked about Jonathan Taylor. And then the second clip is from his appearance on Sirius XM yesterday. So, Mark, if you don't mind, I'll play this for Steven. This is the first clip from Chris Ballard on Report Day in regards to Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, we're not going to get into, I mean, you know me on the contracts. We're not going to get into any what kind of contract negotiations we're getting into with any of our guys. So we'll move forward as we, I mean, look, We've been, I mean, our history's really good, you know, but saying that, we're coming off a four-win season. We have a new coaching staff. So we'll kind of let it play out as it does um, and make those decisions when we need to make those decisions. And that was three weeks ago on report day, and then Stephen here was Ballard yesterday. 
having a Jonathan Taylor in that same backfield with Anthony Richardson mm-hmm. because you know that's that's what excites the fan base. Yeah, no, and look, look, we, I think the world of, of Jonathan. Um, he's been a great Colt, been a great player for the Colt. You know, unfortunately, last year he, he you know, he, he got hurt early in the season, was dinged all year, fought through it till he finally got to a point where he had to, you know, have this surgery. And now, now he's finishing his rehab process. And so hopefully, hopefully as we move forward here, we'll get him back, but we need to get him 100% healthy before we do anything. Steven, what do you make of so much more of an injury-focused response from Ballard versus the, granted it was report day, by all accounts Taylor hadn't done his physical yet, versus the four-win, we have a new offensive staff, we need to evaluate everyone sort of response a few weeks back? Yeah, it's interesting. It's hard to make heads or tails of it. I, I guess my first thought would be, Right now, they the injury has has been at least it appears that that has become more of an issue in this this conversation. Um, I don't know enough of the particulars. None of us do, and that's part of the problem with assessing all of this. And and I really feel like we can only get that from Jonathan. That's part of the problem here. But be it as it may, I don't think he's going to come out today and, and tell all. So we have to continue just based on what we know. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I think from the Colts' perspective, their thought is, okay, look, if you're not healthy, then you need to get healthy. And then we'll figure out the rest. But that's also an interesting part of this is before we do anything, well, what? They, they weren't going to do anything, I thought. You know, so what what does that entail? Because, frankly, that suggests, and maybe I'm psychoanalyzing here, but it almost suggests that, okay, well, we have to figure something out as opposed to just conducting themselves like, hey, Jonathan Taylor's under contract, he's on the team, nothing to see here. Because that was kind of the approach before. And so when I say, look, they haven't, you know, dismiss the idea of a trade, I'm telling you, I, I think it has to at least be on the table. I mean, if Jonathan Taylor doesn't want to be here, you can't figure out what to do with him, then you have to at least consider it. I don't know if the offer is going to be there. All I'm saying is everything has to be on the table at this point. Stephen, my thing is this, and I know that we're probably repeating you know, an old hit here, but my assessment would be, and I want you to tell me if this is, it, by your understanding, an accurate assessment, but my assessment would be that it certainly, in the beginning, and by that I mean a couple of weeks ago, Jim Mercer was very adamant that Jonathan Taylor was not a tradable piece, but Chris Ballard, if you put truth serum in, in him, probably is thinking to himself, it's in my best interest to possibly trade Jonathan Taylor, and ultimately the owner's going to win that argument seven days a week, but... I guess the question is, A, is that an accurate assessment? And B, do you think Jim Mercer has hedged it all? So to your first question, I think that's, I think there's some merit to the way you describe that. And, and I see Jim Mercer as oftentimes, you know, more, eh, I don't know if emotional is the right word, but, but maybe more emotionally driven in these situations. Chris Ballard, while he can be very emotional, you know, when, and, and can get worked up and, you know, when there's these sort of situations, he also is much more pragmatic and he's going to be a guy who, you know, who thinks with his head and not his heart for the most part. So, so I think that's true. I do think that's true. I mean, he's got to find a solution ultimately. And, 
and sometimes the solution is not what you want. And I don't know. I mean, I look at the, the Nick Martin situation in, in Dallas. I don't think they're exactly the same, but they found a, they found a compromise there, you know, and did anybody feel like they truly got what they wanted? No, because <laughs> Nick Martin wanted a lot more money. Uh, the Cowboys were taking a stance like, buddy, you got two years left and we ain't paying you. And guess what? They did pay him something. It wasn't a ton of money, but they did give him something. And Nick Martin can now save face and he's going to be in camp and, and they're going to have one of the most important pieces in front of their quarterback now. I mean, that was just not, that's not a negotiable thing for the Cowboys, right? Like you're going to play without Nick Martin? Like how? You know, so I just think that that's where I see things to some extent with the Colts. It's like, all right, you can say you're not going to trade him. You can say we're not going to negotiate. You can say all these things, but the reality is still sitting there and, and staring you in the face. You have not dealt with this situation and it has to be dealt with. I'm not. Su- I'm not suggesting that that Jonathan Taylor doesn't have to 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 be reasonable here too. He does. But the this whole idea that I keep hearing, that, you know, Jonathan Taylor has no leverage. He's Jonathan Taylor. That is his leverage. Yeah, I, I've said this about the whole trade situation. I don't think the Colts are in a position to you know have some strong stance and and be like, no, there's no chance we're going to trade him. If you have come up with the idea of as the organization that you are not going to extend him, you do everything in your power to try and trade him to get some return yeah. on him. The last thing yeah. you want is for him to be a you slap the franchise tag on him and now you're paying him even more money deeper into the Anthony Richardson contract and he's upset. Or obviously he walks in free agency for nothing um, on that end and I guess you get a compensatory pick but that wouldn't be for a couple years down the road on that end Steven do you make anything of the Zeke Elliott Dalvin Cook signings this week in relation to Taylor I probably point a little bit more to the Josh Jacobs domino because they're on yeah. a similar age scale or I guess age frame than Taylor but Dalvin Cook, first off, he's got a shoulder issue and he's still not practicing, and he's got a domestic violence thing that is yet to be cleared up. So it's yeah. not like this is some squeaky clean off the field thing either. Obviously, Taylor doesn't have the domestic violence thing, but he's got the injury. So it, it, either of those dominoes now impact Taylor and potential negotiations. Uh, the the one possible impact, first of all, good point on Dalvin Cook because I think the the issues hanging over Dalvin Cook kind of got lost in the whole conversation of, oh, running backs aren't worth anything. Yeah, granted, he didn't get a ton of money, and, and he is a bit older than, than Jonathan Taylor. which yeah, four is four years factor. older. Yeah, I mean, that's more than a bit older. That, that's actually a lot older. So, so I think, yeah, they're not apples to apples at all. Him and Jonathan Taylor's situations are not the same other than the injury being uh, a, a, a common characteristic there. But the one... The one place where maybe the John, or excuse me, the, the Dalvin Cook situation has a little impact is because if you were interested in Dalvin Cook, a, a team out there that perhaps was interested in Dalvin Cook, and he ends up electing to go to the Jets, do you then at least open your mind to the idea you know, of of maybe hey, well let's engage the Colts? I don't know. I look at a team like say I'm just throwing this out there, but this is a logical thought uh, a team like Miami okay you know they will take big swings okay we know that uh, they were connected to Dalvin Cook that was one of the other teams that was in that in that mix uh, you know they're a team 
you know, I could see them engaging the Colts, you know, and, and try, at least trying to find out well, what's that going to take? What's it going to cost, right? I don't know what their long-term cap situation is like and all that. You know, if they wanted to re-sign a Jonathan Taylor after trading for him. And we're probably getting way too far ahead of ourselves anyway, but, but I'm just trying to kind of give a sense of, of how it may clear the deck a little bit that Dalvin Cook, that Domino has fallen. So that's where I think it, it might make a difference is an impossible trade situation. Uh, it doesn't, I think, necessarily help or hurt too much in terms of, of, of a contract for, for Jonathan Taylor, uh, but, but I think in the trade realm, it might make a difference. Steven, let's say for the sake of argument, and I'll, I, I don't think this is going to happen, but okay, but we're going to speak in hypotheticals here. When Andrew Luck first came into the NFL, that first year, literally every ball bounced the Colts' way. He was a great player. I'm not saying that. Reggie Wayne had a phenomenal season. And on the field, I should say, things just kind of fell the Colts' way, and they had this surprisingly, you know, really good year. If that's the case with Anthony Richardson this year, if this guy is able to come out, he's a unicorn, defenses don't know what to think of him, they haven't seen him on tape, and he makes the right decisions, and he has this great year, what is the area of the Colts that would hold them back because we have so hyper-focused on quarterback, we haven't been talking about the fact that blank is still a deficiency for them that could hurt them if everything else came together? That area is what? Mm. So I'll pick two. I think the secondary concerns me, really the cornerbacks. I mean, look, they were already thin when this Isaiah Rogers business happened, and, and they're thinner now. So, I mean, they they can like the the potential of the guys that they have, and, and they do like the potential, and, and that's great. But it's, a, it's still just potential. Okay, they're very, very, very young. I mean, th- this this whole league – is is now it's become really a, a a situation where who can make big plays and who can stop big plays. That's the NFL. That's a big percentage of wins and losses in the NFL today. And your corners are going to be at at the, the tip of the spear when it comes to that, right? So if you're out there giving up a bunch of big plays, then how much harder are you making it for Anthony Richardson, even if he is playing – in a, a best case scenario where he he really has a fast start, you know. So I think that's a that's a big problem for them or a potential problem. Put it that way. The other thing I would say is just, and this is something we have kind of talked about, is the the offensive line depth. I still just don't feel good about it. I I would not be sleeping well at night. Now I think the offensive line, to their credit, and I don't know how much. You know, you want to put how much stock you want to put in this, but I think it matters a little. I, I thought they were really physical on Saturday, and that the, I'm talking about the starting offensive line. I thought it, it was pretty physical, and I thought there were some good running lanes, even though the Colts didn't run for that much, which is you know takes us back to the Jonathan Taylor story. But anyway, I thought the offensive line looked active and powerful, and I thought there were a lot of good things to take away from that. So maybe they're onto something. Maybe they're right when they say they think this group can pull it together and, and get back to where they used to be. We'll see. But that has nothing to do with whether they stay healthy. And if they don't, then I think you're back to a situation where, you know, like last year, um, or really the last couple of years, they've had some, some key injuries on that line. Uh, two years ago, they had the depth and they were able to withstand that. Now I don't know if they do. 
Yeah, like in last year, it was actually the O line was so bad. Yet the big three stayed healthy. When you look at, it, they played through stuff. But Ron <laughs> Kelly, Quentin Nelson, and and Braden Smith, I'd throw Edge Group into that. Stephen, I think pass rushing wise, yeah, you know, with your corners so inexperienced, you got to get something out of the Quiddy Pay Samson Abukam combination um, this season. Uh, okay, moving on. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, with us here. Let's go back to the news item of the day yesterday, and that is obviously Anthony Richardson being named the starter. I was talking with Jake in our open opening hour, Stephen, I thought, you know, this is the time to kind of commit to him with these big evaluation days coming up. And I guess evaluation, maybe throw that out the window, but just big developmental days, seeing the Bears twice, another preseason game, seeing the Eagles next week in a joint practice, then another preseason game. What? Why do you think Shane Sykin did that or announced that yesterday when, if he wanted to, Gardner Minshew was just 6-for-6 six six and let a touchdown drive in the preseason. Like, he could have kept it, you know, back and forth for, for another week. So w- why do you think the timing was August 16th or August 15th? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think the timing is very interesting. And I actually like it. And, and here's why I think, this is what I think his, his thinking was. You know, they have, they're at a point now where, it's really in your best interest to really commit and to really get him prepared. Now, if this were two veteran quarterbacks who were battling, I think it would be different. And maybe you let the thing, you know, sort of linger a little longer and make sure that you, you know, for certain, but in this situation, two things, number one, you know, the long-term implications here matter. And the long-term, the the long-term vision is that, Anthony Richardson's going to be your guy anyway. The, the only question now is, can he handle the ups and downs of the position right now? I don't think there's any question about that. Like, his makeup is one of the best things about him. I have no idea how he's going to play. We cannot tell you that. But I can tell you, he's going to be fine when it comes to, to handling the, the ups and downs that are inevitable at that position. I have no concerns about that part. When it comes to Anthony Richardson, he is mature, way beyond his years. Uh, he is going to be fine, and he has he has the respect of that team already at 21 years old. I mean, I think we all can see that. So that is not going to be an issue. So there's no real impediment there if you're Shane Steichen in, in that respect. The other thing is, as I kind of alluded to, look, I mean, he needs all the preparation he can get. And so you can't waste these opportunities. You just call them developmental opportunities. That's, that's what they are. I don't think you can afford to waste them. And so every rep that Gardner Minshew gets is, is one less rep with the first team that, that Anthony Richardson won't get. And so those, those are just too important. You know, we've seen – you saw those, these opportunities that he's, he's tried to connect with Alec Pierce, for example. And, you know, they had a, a play yesterday. You saw the touchdown, perhaps, on social media. They had a – a touchdown in the red zone, uh, Anthony Richardson to Alec Pierce. Now, a couple plays before that, they totally had a disconnect on a, a corner route that just was kind of a mess, right? And so those are the things that you've got to work out, and that's why he's got to be in there, and he, you've got to keep working. And I think this is where Shane Steichen's head is. And coming up tonight, 6 o'clock, it will be the first joint practice with the Chicago Bears. Again, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com. I encourage people to check out one of Stephen's latest pieces. It's kind of just a little bit of inside the uh, the background on Anthony Richardson, Stephen. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he's you know, somebody in the Colts organization brought this to my attention recently, and it made me think. And what I was told is, like, you know, this guy didn't grow up on the quarterback circuit. And, and if you don't know what I mean by that, 
you know, this you see these you know these these young quarterbacks today. They're at all these camps and they're they're going to they've got these private quarterback coaches at like 15 years old. I mean, it's like when did if this not happen? Earlier. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, Anthony Richardson had none of that. He he said, you know, I didn't even know about these camps. I didn't have any private coaching. I didn't do any of that. He he also didn't play in sort of a, a sophisticated offense in high school. So really, he's got 13 starts. Well, 14 now, I guess, if you count the preseason game. After high school, he's got 14 total starts. And he just needs to see more stuff and play and ha- experience more situations. And, and so – because he really hasn't had all that previous development, perhaps the the Colts feel like he's going to be he's going to be so immersed in the development now that maybe you know the growth can come pretty quickly. So he's he's gotten here without the benefit of all of that is what I'm saying. And I and I make the contrast to, for example, Bryce Young, and this is not a knock on Bryce Young. This is actually to his credit. Bryce Young was was the opposite. He was at all these camps. He was all over the place. Had private coaching, all of that, and and got, I think, his first offer when he was like in eighth grade or going into ninth grade at Texas Tech from Cliff Kingsbury. So <laughs> no one knew who Anthony Richardson was when he was that age. No, not at all. Not at all. It's a far, far different you know, This background. was a perfect way to start the second half of our work week, right? Steven, thank you for the time. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll see you tonight at Grand Park. <laughs> all right, mine's still blown, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, see? Certainly. Previously on Kevin and Quarry. <laughs> Did you happen to see Edron James's son's name, who is, well, I think, getting a lot of looks to play college basketball? His first name starts with the same letter of his last name. You guys care to give any guesses as to what Edge's son, a four-star point guard? Is it a legitimate first name, or is this a nickname? I didn't see the birth certificate. I'd be curious to know that. How many letters? One more than Wordle. We'll go with six letters. Jungle. Jungle. Mark, you got any guesses? Jeez, I, I don't know. No idea. Jizzle James. Oh. <laughs> Don't shorten that name then. What? Jizzle James. Boy, oh boy. Mr. There Jizzle are a lot James. of ways I can take that, and I'm just, I, I've decided as, as part of my maturation, I, I'm just going to lay out. Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> J I Z, and then we'll throw another Z in there. Z L E. I'm not going to get in trouble for looking this up, am I? That, I mean, that's. I would be worried as to what pages that might. That sounds Are you like thinking a name about that could NIL be used. deals for Jizzle. Okay, I can think of a. Never mind. So yes, Jizzle will be coming to a college what? campus. Come on, that was intentional. Near. What? I just said we're struggling with okay. names, and I don't think that will make our name list. I don't think Jizzle has a great a great ring okay. to it. I'm, I'm glad you didn't throw in like Ole Miss with the rest of the the line there, but maybe part of South Carolina. No. Spoiler, we didn't go with Jizzle Bowen. Max has a little different ring to it than Jizzle. Jizzle James, Where right? did he end up playing? Is it Cincinnati? For some reason, I think I was where he ended up. Hey, Courtney. Going. Uh, Courtney Cronin on ESPN.com going to join us here in just a second. Um, I guess we failed to mention this on the Jonathan Taylor front, and Wes was texting me about how confusing this situation is. Jake, we said during the show yesterday, at that point, Jonathan Taylor had yet to show up to practice. He never did. Um, it just seems a bit fishy and odd to me that Jonathan Taylor is the only Colts injured player that is supposedly at Grand Park that was not at practice. 
Yeah, I mean, I especially considering, I mean, wasn't it like this story continues wasn't to it kind get of insinuated he was going to be back, and it's like I'm not sure, you know. I mean, he was here, but not at practice, and. Yeah, it, very, very odd uh, to me. All right, let's head to the Palace Slickers hotline. You see her all over ESPN. Um, she's doing an outstanding job in her variety of roles with the network. She's also a graduate of Indiana University. She is Courtney Cronin, and I believe she's going to call Westfield, Indiana home for the next couple of days. Courtney, always great to hear from you. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? We are doing well. Um, I asked Mark Dykton, who's a diehard Bears fan, our producer, this question uh, earlier in the show, so I'll ask it to you. Where are the Bears good and where are they bad, a.k.a. like <laughs> what should Colts fans be looking for here in the next couple days? Well, I think what you saw from the preseason game, and yes, I know Justin Fields, 3-for-3, three 129-yard three, stat line is it's pretty deceiving because two of those passes came from behind the line of scrimmage. But you're seeing the quarterback get the ball out faster. You're seeing the short game, the screens, the slants, the quick outs, all of those things that just didn't exist in the Bears' offense or exist to a point where it was functional last year. That's where they're making their hay in training camp. And it doesn't look pretty every day. We've had a lot of days where the two-minute drill is, you know, a lot of situations that don't work out for the offense. And they end up leaving the field having not scored and having to go back to the drawing board to figure out what they did wrong. But offensively watching the strides this team has made it's pretty it's pretty remarkable to go from where we were 365 days ago with a receiving core that was just you know a a mishmash conglomerate of guys that didn't really have defined roles to what Justin Fields now has surrounding him so that's certainly a strength of this team and you know defensively the eight sacks that they had in the preseason game I know a lot of those were against backups but they're rushing the passer better than they were a year ago I mean seriously this team was a three and 14 team by design last year nobody will say that they actually were like competitive in games because they weren't supposed to be they were trying to get the number one overall pick they did and all the moves they've made this offseason have helped them get better in a number of areas but I still think you know, some of the injuries that they have right now at the linebacker position, not having Tremaine Edmonds out there and seeing how this secondary is coming together. There's a battle over at the cornerback, uh, the CB2 spot. I just wrote about it at ESPN.com. I think they're still growing. I mean, there's no area that stands out right now, unlike last year, where you're like, wow, that's really terrible. They're going to have a lot of problems with their pass rush, with this, with that. I and mean, they've They've made some active moves. They've been active in free agency and certainly the last couple of weeks even going out to get Yannick Ngakwe. So, I mean, there's there's definitely holes still on this roster, but it's come a long way from where this team was at this point last year. Courtney, I think that Chicago offers perhaps kind of a look into a crystal ball for Indianapolis. And by that, I mean this. For Colts fans, we now know Anthony Richardson. You know, they've handed the keys over to him. Justin Fields, I think, is a similar style of player, similar size player. Justin Fields, obviously, was more decorated in terms of experience coming out of college. But if you could give a preview for Colts fans, Justin Fields now entering year three. At what point did you see on field where it was very clear that things were starting to come together for him and where you started to feel the confidence that, yes, in fact, this was going to be the guy or is Chicago still navigating that with him? It's 
twofold. The first part of the of the first answer to your question is week seven against the Patriots last year. That was the Monday night game after they had that disastrous, I think it was twelve to six, twelve to seven loss to the Washington Commanders on Thursday night football. And I remember writing a story at that time about well, what can they do to get him out of this rut because it was the play calling, it was play design, it was certainly a lack of talent around the quarterback, and it felt like Justin Fields never really had a chance early on. They started tapping into his best asset, which was his legs, and you started seeing more design runs, especially in the red zone, and you started seeing the way that they were changing up with you know their pass protection, some of the protections that he was calling, and when... But they were playing. He had to play last year with one hand tied behind his back. That's exactly what he was set up to do, and I think he did remarkably well of that. Second all time for a quarterback in terms of rushing yards in a season. Like the passing game wasn't there, but it wasn't supposed to be because they just didn't have viable talent out there to help him grow as a passer, and the pass protection was leaky too. So I think that you can you saw moments where hey, if they add this this element of the game will be better and easier for Justin Fields. If they can fix this, a lot more things will come together. That's probably what the Colts are going to end up having to do this year with Anthony Richardson, knowing that, I mean, you guys, I don't know if you guys call it a rebuild or what you call it, but when you're in position to draft a quarterback, and especially a rookie with such a high ceiling, but somebody who lacks the experience like Anthony Richardson, there's going to be lumps that come with that. I mean, I was a little surprised to see Shane Steichen announce him as a starter yesterday. I really thought that they were going to let this thing go on, but it also makes sense to stop the quarterback competition where it is so you can then tailor the offense to Anthony Richardson and expect that there will be those rookie lumps that he's going to probably have to take quite a few of but you can at least start the growing process there. And I you could also the Bears did last year. Yeah, I agree with that. Corey. In addition to that, as, as I was saying, and I think I wanted you to kind of shed light on whether or not you saw this with Justin Fields, and that is that defenses eventually learn to adjust. I mean, they see quarterback on film, they come out with new looks. Quarterback then has to go through kind of a reinvention again, and so you might as well start that as early as possible, right? And I would imagine that Fields you know, some 20-plus games now in, as you just talked about. They had to kind of reinvent some things, right? Yeah, they did. And, you know, going back to his rookie year, I mean, again, there's a reason there's a completely different front office and coaching staff because they didn't handle that well with him as a rookie. I understand that they had this pseudo-quarterback competition, and it made no sense. I think that the Colts have been approaching it the right way, where you you drafted – this guy fourth overall because you expect him to be your franchise quarterback one day you're going to give him every opportunity to do that and like what they did with field last year I mean they had a lot of undoing that they had to do before they could get him ready to play they had to change his footwork they had to change his throwing mechanics they had to you know this offense is predicated on rhythm and timing there was a lot of learning that he had to overcome first in order to master this offense on a very surface level And now what you're seeing in year two is he can go deeper in the playbook. He can go deeper in the concepts. They can add more shifts and motions pre-snap to help him become a better quarterback. And that's probably the the route that the Colts are going to have to take with a new head coach, a new play caller for Anthony Richardson, a new quarterback in Anthony Richardson, and seeing what strides they can make in year one to find those signs of growth to show you it's on the right track so at this time next year it looks different. 
She's Courtney Cronin. You hear, you see her all over ESPN, and I've told her this several times, and she's very gracious with her time to speak to my class each year at IU. Um, she's a huge reason why I thought, you know what, multi-platform journalism, that's the career path Courtney Cronin has carved out. I think that is what works in today's media climate, so let's create a class about that. So, Courtney, thank you uh, for the time that you give uh, to IU students each spring. And I guess I'll toss this in there for a little Bloomington bit. Uh, the Bears have a bye week. You go back to Bloomington. You've got two bars to stop at. You've got one restaurant to stop at. What are the two bars, and what's the one restaurant? So they have the week, I want to say it's week 13 bye again this year, which at that point, Ooh, that's late. You know, you're just crashing and burning into the finish line. It's December. You're exhausted. I'm more of like a week nine bye type of girl, so I could get a football game in, but... Mm-hmm. If it's early season basketball and I'm in Bloomington, I'm obviously going to go to Upstairs. It's my it's become my favorite bar, uh, especially since they added that patio outside. I was back there teaching a class in the spring, and it was fantastic. I loved you know, being there in April and getting to sit outside. So I'll do go Upstairs, probably do Kilroy's, and then restaurant-wise, if I can get into Zagreb, I'm going there. And the trick is you've got to go put your name in early on like a Thursday at like five and then you'll get in by eight o'clock. That's what I've learned in my post-grad years in Bloomington that I did not know growing up. So I think that, um, I think I have a pretty good week, a pretty good bye week if I could accomplish all those things. Bloomington notes via Courtney Cronin. I thought you were going to say the vid there. I was never a vid gal. I'm not hipster enough. I mean, I'm not even on the spectrum when it comes to that. I just, I don't know. I'm, 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 people are probably like, why aren't you saying Nick's? You're the worst alum ever. I'm sorry. Nick's is not my favorite spot in Bloomington. And it's not like, a, that's not a secret. Like, I think I've been pretty vocal about that, but it's still a great establishment. It's just not one that's going to be at the top of my list. It's funny to me because when I went to IU, like, and, and I realized I went there in a different era than you guys, but when I went to IU, no one went to Nick's. Nick's is where like the yeah, old same. alumni went. Same. Yeah. It was an alumni bar when right. I was growing up and I'm not, I don't like biz fries. And I think six to biz in this post COVID world is kind of gross. Like that's just not my thing. And I know that's such a controversial, it's probably like too hot of a take for 9am um, on your show. So I apologize for that. Yeah, but the phone lines are lit up right now, Courtney. That's right. <laughs> it's just never been, it's never been at the top of my list. I would rather go get an AMF over it upstairs and call it a night. Yeah, exactly. Get a couple aspirin for you in the morning and move on from there. <laughs> um, Courtney Cronin from ESPN with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Courtney, one thing that I've been curious about the Bears, and I get that this regime did not draft Justin Fields, and maybe this is a problem that they might never encounter, but at some point, if Justin Fields has great success, I would assume their offensive coordinator, their offensive system is going to get a look to be a head coach. Like, that's just kind of how it operates with these young QBs. And that's different than what we see here in Indy because the head coach is the play caller. It's his offense. Shane Steichen, this is his baby. He obviously drafted uh, Anthony Richardson. Is that of concern or is this, like, too big of a problem to even worry about right now? Because Matt Eberflus, the head coach, obviously, we know from here in Indy, he's not running the offense. Is that a, a concern down the road at all with Justin Fields and his development? If if it works out, I mean, it's the I guess it's the the, the what it's the consequence for success when sure. you have a it's a good problem to have. Who, it is, and I even remember last year, not that he had any formal interviews, but Luke Getzey's name was coming up. You know, when they were having success, even though they were losing games, when they went ten straight, it was the New England game, it was the Dallas game, Detroit, Miami, where you saw the quarterback 
despite a lot of really negative circumstances with the personnel around him, make hay and keep these games competitive, of course the play caller is going to get a lot of credit for that because he's drawing up what the quarterback is set out to do. And at that time, Luke Getze's name was popping up, like, hey, maybe an outside shot looking in, and of course we didn't see anything come to fruition. If they do succeed, though, and what is success in Chicago? I mean, some people that have come to camp, a lot of national people from the outside who aren't here every day, will say, oh, it could be a wild card team. Those of us who are here every day watching it say seven, eight wins is a great floor for this Bears team to show where you came from three and 14 to, you know, seven and seven and 10 or or eight and nine. That's going to get Luke Getze some notoriety, and it's probably going to get him an opportunity as a head coach one day. But how they replace him, what they would end up doing, they're not even there yet because they've got to show that this offense can work now and that the quarterback that they didn't draft is the right guy because if if he's not, if he fails this year, if the team fails this year, they've got that extra first-round pick that they can utilize to go get a quarterback next year when we know that the strength of of next year's draft class is going to be the quarterbacks in the first round. And things don't go well, the Bears could very well be in line for one of those, which then would kind of throw everything back a little bit, but potentially not because I think you'd probably still have your play caller at that point. Courtney Cronin, I asked this to Kevin earlier. He did not know the answer. I will go straight to the source. Uh, are or are not related to Mick Cronin? I'm not. I would love to be able to claim that. And, I mean, there's him. There's the Portland Trailblazers general manager. I mean, there's so many people with my last name that I have no relation to. It's honestly wild. I feel like it's become a more popular Midwest name that somehow is like, traveled across the country um i only thought it was a chicago thing growing up but apparently it's everywhere it is of what i can't i cannot claim uh roots to him okay dumb question it's of what origin irish irish catholic last name i probably probably should have known that i guess but (laughs) courtney what's your record on around the horn Ooh, okay i actually know this um i know i have 21 22 wins I think I've been on just under 70 times. So if you do that win percentage, that's, that's just under, that's I think, around good. 30%. So I take it seriously. I know some people go on there and they're just like, you know, whatever. It's a fake game show. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, no, I want to win. Every yeah. single time I'm on there, I want to win. I'm really competitive when it comes to that. I was going to say, you've always struck me as a very competitive human being. Again, <laughs> Courtney Cronin, who covers the Bears. You hear, you see her all over ESPN. The Bloomington checklist looks like uh, upstairs patio. Uh, uh, Kilroy stop, thrown an AMF. And again, uh, Zagreb, get there at 530 to get the 8 o'clock reservation uh, on a Thursday. Courtney, I'll see you later today. Thanks for the time this morning. Morning and I uh, hope uh, Westfield treats you well. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, former NFL defensive back Solomon Wilcots. He's going to join a series host for Sirius XM NFL Radio. And in what, just about a half hour, you're going to hear him, Bruce Kurkowski, as they host the Colts training camp show. Their guests will include Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson, Chris Ballard, Shaq Leonard, and Julian Blackman. And Jake, I think they were in the tent right next to us yesterday, right? He, like I, an English literature major in college, by the way. And yes, uh, got a chance. I'm going to guess his grade's slightly better than the Jake Query transcript. (laughs) That's probably accurate. Uh, He joins us now on the Payless Sugars Hotline. And Solomon, I guess first, you know, obviously thanks for joining us. And Kevin had mentioned you were out there yesterday. Give me your overall impressions just 
and maybe it was too early to tell through one session, but your overall assessments and impressions of certainly Anthony Richardson and the Colts. Oh, well, thanks, Kevin and Jake. Look, uh, it's a team that, as you well know, with the Jonathan Taylor sort of saga, it still lingers. But to be able to come out and name, you know, Anthony Richardson as their starting quarterback moving forward, you could say that um, the the era has begun. And I think that is something that has breathed new life into the building, into the ownership, the general manager, the head coach. Shane Steichen came to really, um, I think, just breathe new life into this team. And you can't get that done unless you have a new quarterback. Over the last few years, they've gone with a – more experienced, more veteran quarterback, pocket passer, right? You knew what you were going to get. And now they embark upon this new journey with a younger guy, a dynamic athlete in Anthony Richardson, Shane Steiking having done so and, and groomed quarterbacks that work with Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. So I, I just think that everyone's bracing for this excitement. Whether you're the offense or defense, everyone's looking forward to what Anthony Richardson is bringing to this football team. Solomon, I, I made this point earlier, and I want you, you would have a much more educated, uh, you know, analysis on this. So I want your opinion of it. So much has been made about the fact that Anthony Richardson only started 13 games in college, and that that's a detriment. And I understand that, and and traditionally that would be the a detriment, indeed. But I was curious: is it possible, if you were an optimist, to say that that actually could be a benefit? because it means that he has not been conditioned to, trained, or become habitual about the bigger windows that you have in college, the, 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 you know, obviously the different pacing. And so, therefore, it is easier to learn new habits as opposed to having to break down the old ones. Is that naive and optimistic to say? It's, very, it's highly optimistic, but I do believe two things can be true at the same time. I do believe that um, the number of reps that you need in college are definitely beneficial. But also, you can and be ingrained into some things that and get comfortable in some ways that you're just not going to see some of those same things at the next level. Um, and at the end of the day, I think it's incumbent upon the team that you're going to be playing for at the next level to, to mirror a lot of the things that you are accustomed to doing in college that it fits your skill set, and that's exactly what Shane Steichen is bringing over. Even in talking to Julian Blackman yesterday, you know, just talking about defending the RPO action, run-pass offense, he said it's impossible. As a former defensive player for myself, that's it's one of the most frustrating things when I'm watching NFL football and you see a Justin Fields and you see a Jalen Hurts. It's almost impossible to defend it because – when you have that kind of athlete at the quarterback position, their job is to make you wrong. That's why it's an option play. If you defend the run, they're going to throw it. If you defend the pass, they're going to run it. I, I would say this, it's all, it all works so much better if you have Jonathan Taylor in the same backfield at the same time that you have an Anthony Richardson. I, I think it's vitally important to the success of this offense. 
Yeah, even watching that preseason game on Saturday, Solomon, you see those Buffalo defenders just freeze, just a little hesitant when, when Richardson did run some of the RPO zone yeah. reaction. And it's been quite a while since the Colts quarterback has done that. Again, Solomon Wilcott's with us here. You can hear that serious XM show coming up at 10 a.m., a Colts training camp show here in a bit. I want to get to, because you kind of led us down that path with Jonathan Taylor. I know you caught up with Chris Ballard yesterday. We played some of that audio um, what were your impressions of what Chris Boward had to say, Jonathan Taylor related, and the possibility of this reaching some sort of conclusion? I, I don't even, I would just say ending and not necessarily a happy one, but some ending before the start of the season. And there was a deeper conversation even around the part uh, that you heard in terms of the soundbite. The deeper conversation was, you know, you've gone the last few years with these veteran quarterbacks, and now that you're going with a more inexperienced one, playing in a different style, how important is it that you have the team better around that young quarterback? And he said it's imperative. And then, and then we talked about the fact that you need the dynamic runner um, paired in the same backfield uh, with Anthony Richardson. And so that led us to the conversation about Jonathan Taylor, who, um, let's face it, over his three years with the Indianapolis Colts, almost 4,000 yards rushing, a 5.1 career rushing average. Are you kidding me? And then in the 43 games that he's played, over 100 yards per game from scrimmage, both rushing and catching the football. Look, there's no doubt he understands the delicate balance that he's walking as a general manager. He knows this team needs Jonathan Taylor. And I think he's just got to give some time for ownership and for everyone to get on the same page, A, to be, to repair the relationship where the player's excited to come back and play, but also where the ownership sees the value, particularly at this point in time, for paying the running back. If you're ever going to pay a running back, when do you pay them? I would say when they're 24 years old and they've been all pro and they average 100 yards per game since they've come into the league. So uh, I, I think... There's no doubt Chris Ballard sees that. He's walking that delicate balance, and I think patience and a little bit of growth and understanding is what's required to get that done. If you had to guess, do you think he lines up next to Anthony Richardson week one, or do you think this trade request is real? No, I think the trade request is real. It always has been. I think both sides are dug in. And that's where Chris, you know, the general manager is caught in the middle because it's between the player and ownership, right? Uh, but if you really think about it, you know, and Jim Mercy is a football guy. He's a die-in-the-wool football guy. I spent too much time with Bill Polian learning a little bit more about Mr. Ursay. But I do think the analytics have kind of led a lot of people astray because we take the easy way out when they say you don't pay running backs, you don't take them in the first round. Well, clearly, a Jameer Gibbs is a guy you take in the first round. Um, you know, Robinson with Atlanta, you take him in the first round. Barry Sanders or Walter Payton, you would take in the first round. So there's some nuance here. And there is times when you do pay the running back. Jonathan Taylor is one of those guys. Now, there are times when you don't. If they're older, if they've shown signs of slowing down, but when they're young and they produce at this level, then I think $12 million a year it's certainly in line. We're not saying $16 million a year or $14. Right, the number would be about 12 So, I, Look, there's some nuance. There is a right number, but to draw a hard line if they were not paying the running back, I, I think everyone would agree that that's not the proper approach. 
Solomon, you've been around the league a long time. You played in the league. How big, if at all, a distraction or contractual holdouts, not to the player, not to the general manager, but to the rest of the roster? It's to everyone. It's everyone. It's not good. A holdout's not good for the player, but a holdout's not good for the team, especially this one. He's the best offensive player you have, right? He's the most productive player, period, that you have. And the guy, and he's a quality individual. So this is kind of what the conclusion that the Giants came to with Saquon Barkley. Even though they could have taken him at $10 million a year on the franchise tag, they admitted to themselves. They, they moved um, and said, you know what, this guy means too much to us. We need to make it right. And, and it was the right thing to do. They didn't overpay. But they understood also the nuance in that decision of how to make it right. And so there are times when teams I do think they have some clarity and understand it would be good for no one if Saquon Barkley were to hold out. And I, I think the same is true for the Colts when it comes to Jonathan Taylor. Solomon, we'll, we'll end with this. And again, thank you for the time this morning. Solomon Wilcox was out of Colts training camp yesterday. You're going to hear their training camp show coming up at 10 a.m. over on Sirius XM. Uh, you caught up with Anthony Richardson yesterday. I think when you, at least I was one of these people, when you see the combine happen, you get so caught up in the physical characteristics of him, you almost fail to get to know him as a person or, or kind of look into that aspect of him, how he's wired off the field, work ethic, those sorts of things. What were your, I, I don't know if they are your first impressions, but what were your impressions of him just talking with him one-on-one? Well, and it was, I also spent time with him at the Combine, even more time there uh, when he made the rounds. He came on Sirius X and NFL Radio, but he was on our set um, prior to us doing the interview and then a little bit afterwards. And so when we were at Colts camp uh, on Tuesday, we got to spend some more time with him. And I had already known, I've talked to a lot of people just about what kind of quality of a young man he is and the work ethic and um, you read the stories about him at high school spending time at at the firehouse with these firemen and and earning uh their respect i have a lot of friends who are firefighter no there are no civil servants that hold greater regard at least in my heart and my mind than the friends that i have that work as firemen around this country they are givers these are some of the best men that our country has and to know that he has spent time um, in that environment, and, and you could see that he's that servant leader, just like a Tom Brady, that's just like Jalen Hurts, particularly with the work ethic, so that with time, and that's why making the announcement now, you get to give him the reps, the games, the moments to just continue to grow. Because for this young man, providing he stays healthy while going through the growing pains, there's going to be ups and downs. But he's already displayed the character to let you know that he can survive the ups and downs and have things settle and smooth out, become a dynamic quarterback in this league. And that's, that's going to be fun to watch. But the encouragement is all there. There's a tremendous belief and faith around Anthony Richardson. Or This is around the league amongst a lot of people that he can survive the ups and downs because there will some bad, be some bad moments. There's going to be some great ones. But uh, I think everyone's just going to have to have some patience until everything just smooths out. But this guy comes ready to put in the work. 
Gandy's former NFL defensive back, Solomon Wilcott, a host for Sirius XM NFL Radio, and you're going to hear him 10 a.m. They've got interviews with Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson, Chris Ballard, Shaquille Leonard, and Julian Blackman, and that comes up at the top of the hour. Solomon, thanks for the time this morning. Great stuff, and uh, we'll be tuning in here in a bit. Kevin and Jake, you guys take care. Thanks for having me on the show.